pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Coldfront Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrick. Find me on Twitter at CFRCLAYTON. And joining me as always. I am Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at R-E-A-L-J-U-V-E-I-N-O. Jeff, it, it has been a wild, I don't even know, 12 hours. We'll call 12 it 12 hours. hours. We'll call it 12 hours. Recording this 11.40 a.m. on a Tuesday. I don't think we've ever recorded like this before, but... With all the things going on, it just it just so happens to fit into our schedule where we're both off. So, um, Stefan Diggs, you know, I, I woke up bright and early yesterday ready for a day full of news, but I sat around for about 12 hours and nothing happened. But they signed A.J. Klein. We'll talk about that. And then they made the move, and they trade their 2020 first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth in exchange – for Stephon Diggs in a 2027th round pick. Jeff, I, I, what, what were your initial impressions of the Stephon Diggs trade? I'll take it. You know, <clears throat> my initial reaction from it was that the Bills like Stephon Diggs more than whatever receiver they're going to draft in the first round. You know, I think that the Bills, whatever round they're going to draft a receiver in, they were willing to give up that pick. So we can assume it was the first they swap the first for digs, the other packs, the other picks don't matter as much to me, you know? So, so I like it, you know, you're bringing in a big time player right now, as opposed to drafting a guy. And we know the crapshoot that is drafting wide receivers. Um, you're bringing in a guy now who's going to help your football team win. And how about him and John Brown a, a, across from each other? I mean, Jesus. that is absolutely, absolutely great. And it's something that we haven't seen before in our lifetime of fandom in Buffalo. So it's going to be exciting. No, he he's definitely the best receiver the Bills have had in quite some time. He's better than Watkins. I might go. Uh, he's he's better than Johnson. This dude is the best route runner in football right now. You know, when Antonio Brown was playing, he was the best route runner. But what happened with him happened, and now Stephon Diggs is the best route runner in football. And now he is going to be the number one option for Josh Allen in this offense. And really, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that Brandon Bean did what it took to acquire a talent that this offense obviously needed. You know, we talked about it all last year. I know we, I know we went through the Stephon Diggs conversation at some point in the middle of last season prior to the trade deadline because, you know, when people were saying they saw him at Duff's and whatnot. Yeah. I might have saw him at Duff's yesterday. I tweeted that <laughs> just, just for shits and girls. I, I did see that. <laughs> but, um, you know, here's the, here's the way I see it. They still have picks through the second and seventh. They have picks in every single round. Because they had two fifths, they had three sixths. So they have two sixth round picks and two seventh round picks now. And keep this in mind the fifth and sixth round picks that they had traded were the fifth and sixth round picks they acquired when they had traded Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine. So essentially, you're trading your first round pick, Russ Bodine, Wyatt Teller, a 2024th for Stefan Diggs. And, you know, people are upset with the amount of compensation that they gave up for Stefan Diggs. I have, I would have, I would not have hesitated by this move. I mean, you could, people are real. I think this is really just maddening to some people because you look at what the Cardinals gave up for DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, well, a, a GM did not give the okay for that trade. A, a head coach did. 
Brian, Brian, Bill O'Brien was out of his mind, out of his world to accept that kind of offer for the, the best, one of the two best receivers in football. So obviously the value was messed up there. I think the bills paid, they paid for what they're getting they're, They paid decent value. They gave up their first round pick and I think they're, it's going to pay dividends for them. Yeah. And I don't know what people expect. You're not going to get a franchise type player without giving up a big haul, you know, because if you're on the other end, it's, what are we going to get back that's going to be worth our while for giving up our best player? And and so when you look at it like that, if you say Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine, I think it it's, makes even more sense. I think that it's even more convincing. That, I don't even think Russ Bodine is on a team right now. He got caught by New England. I don't think he's on a team. And Wyatt, I, I Teller, Wyatt Teller is still in Cleveland, but you're talking about two a backup and a dude that's a free agent right now, along with your first-round pick. Like I don't think Madden would accept that trade. I, I know Madden didn't accept the, uh, the, the Hopkins trade, but they wouldn't accept this trade either if it were just straight up those, those players. Well, you're talking about – this is incredible value, folks. I think the Bills like, – like Jeff said in his first point, Stephon Diggs, do, do, you don't know if any of these receivers coming out are going to be better than Stephon Diggs. You don't know. Okay, I, I understand Brandon Bean, and I'm not going to discredit the, the job the front office has done and his scouting staff has done when finding good players in the first round. I had just said a couple days ago, you know, you look at the players they've drafted in the first round, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver. All those players could be pro bowlers next season. All of them. So this and- team has done an incredible job finding talent in the first round. But at that, I don't know. You don't definitively know if any of these receivers in the 2020 draft class are going to be better than Stephon Diggs is right now. And when you're in a win-now mode like the Bills are currently, you take that certainty that comes with acquiring an established player in the league over, you know, the uncertainty of a guy who not only might not pan out to be a good NFL player, but it might take him a little bit to develop. You got to win right now, and that's what you're going to do by acquiring Stephon Diggs. And that's why I like it. And you have him under contract for four more years, too. Yeah. He's young. You have him under 26. contract. For 26 years old. You have him under contract until he's 29 or 30 years old. And he's making $11 million per season. He might, he might want more money. That was a concern that I had initially because you had, you know, Diggs was talking on Twitter all day. It was, it was fun to watch. And I had put out a tweet on Cole from Reports Twitter account speculating, hey, they tagged Anthony Harris. They just gave Cousins a new, a new deal. They might be looking to get get out of Diggs, and then Diggs starts complaining on Twitter, and it just started adding up. And I'm saying I don't know if it's Buffalo, but I think Diggs is the next to get traded. And this was after Hopkins had gotten traded. So my concern was that he wa- he might have wanted more money, and I wouldn't blame him if he wanted a restructured contract. But this isn't like when we traded for Lashawn McCoy, and you needed to give him what was it, eight or nine million per season right at the bat, so he would get off the plane. This isn't like that. This is, this is really, you know, we spoke of it when they signed jo- Josh Norman, the changing of the moniker, because this is a big-name guy. This is a big-time guy coming to Buffalo and willingly coming to Buffalo, gladly coming to Buffalo, because Josh Allen put out a tweet saying, you dig, and then, you know, Stephon Diggs quote tweeted and said, let's get it. And, you know, that's really what it's about now. And the team is in win-now win mode. This, these are moves you make when your quarterback is on – a rookie contract. I say that about this move. I say that if the Bills are going to go out there and sign Jadavian Clowney, I'll say it time and time again. You need to make moves to make your team better now until you, before you have to give a quarterback 200, a $200 million contract. 
Yeah, and it, it's kind of like the perfect storm that has brought these about for the Bills. You know, we've talked about the cap room that they have. Talk about the draft picks that they've pox, that they've stockpiled. I almost said pox styled. And now we're seeing that all come to fruition in this, you know, culmination of you can go out and get a franchise player. Because Stephon Diggs is a franchise player. Don't get it wrong. He is. He was. He's the best player on the Minnesota Vikings who go to the playoffs every single year. Yeah. I, I just in a stacked NFC right now. Yeah. He he was already I mean, you people say what they will about Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's a talent in his own right. But Stefan Diggs, he he really changes this offense. He changes the dynamic. The Bills have a legitimate number one wide receiver. I mean And a legitimate say, number two. And a legitimate number two. That's true. Now, this doesn't mean this doesn't take away that I think that the Bills are no longer drafting a wide receiver because John Brown and Cole Beasley are both going to their age 30 seasons. I think it's a position they need to address, maybe not in the second round, maybe in the third round and beyond. But, see, that's the position the Bills are in because they weren't going to use nine draft picks. In what world or imagination were they ever going to use nine draft picks? I didn't see them using all those picks. If they, if they had all those picks going into draft night, I would have envisioned them trading up in the second, trading up, trading up somewhere, some various ways, so that they walked away with either five or six picks. And now they sit there with six picks through rounds two through seven, and they're set to go. And we'll see what they do. And, you know, I'm excited. Free agency is really getting ramped up. And actually, as we're recording this podcast, the numbers of Mario Addison's contract were just reported. It's a $30 million contract with 14 million in the first year, 15.25 in guarantees. So it's really structured so that the bills can get out in the, after the first two years and Mario Addison, let's talk about Mario Addison because Shaq Lawson signed with Miami. We'll discuss that in a minute. Shaq Lawson signed in Miami. And then a handful of hours later, the bills make a move for Mario Addison who formerly played in Carolina. And over the last four years, he's had 38 and a half sacks. He has had incredible production. He's, he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel a lot better about this move if Trent Murphy's release is ensuing. I'll be honest. Because Shaq, it, it, it's kind of a technical upgrade because you're going to get nine sacks out of Mario Addison, I believe. It's you not hope a, you're going to. You hope this you, is you hope you're going to. Season. This is age 33 season. You know, he's, he's getting up there. And you're giving him $10 million a year. Like, I, th- th- if there's any move from the last however many hours that I dislike, this would be the one that I dislike the most. This isn't like a move where I'm pounding the table saying the bills got robbed and this is a dog shit deal. This is a move more so where I'm saying, okay, we'll see. But this is how I treated the Trent Murphy move and the yeah, Tule move. Yeah. And we're not as, you know, <clears throat> most football fans aren't as familiar with this guy as Diggs, obviously the other guy you signed yesterday. But at this point, you trust Brandon Bean for the moves he's making. Yeah. Is this guy going to pan out? Yep. We don't know. I don't know too much about him. He played for Carolina before, you know, you don't get to watch them play that much. So it's something that we're going to have to wait closer to the season to, to see if it pans out. And it's not the excitement, like the digs thing, but you know, with the, with not resigning Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, you got to bring other guys in. And I think that mixing in with a guy like Addison, you bring back Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips is coming back. You know, obviously Phillips isn't a guaranteed stud on the inside. You've got Latula, you have, you know, an arsenal of guys in there and maybe you only needed to make one move like this. And if 10 million or what'd you say? 14 million in his first year, 15 seconds, 14 in his first year, 15 in total guarantees. You can get out of it in two years. Um, If that's all the money you need to put in your defensive line, 
that's that's fine. You, you you're shaking your head. That's the thing. I don't I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I'm not satisfied with that defensive end room. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I mean, this might be a scenario where it's I want my cake and to eat it too, but. Don't be shocked if they're calling Jadavian Clowney. Do you think I'm that just, that do you think as it is right now without Clowney, do you think that group's worse than this past year? No, I think I think it's a slight upgrade. But if you cut Trent Murphy and sign Jadavian Clowney, it's a hundred times better. But I, I think th- Clowney would be overkill then. You think Clowney's overkill? If you need to sign your franchise quarterback here in the next coming years. Yeah, but see that by then I feel Mario Addison would be off the books by that point. Mario Addison would be okay. off the books. Jerry Hughes is off the books. Um, Starla Tule is probably off the books by that point. There's a certain amount of things that are going to happen in the next in the couple of years that we really aren't factoring in long term. Mm. Like, I think you make a move for Javian Clowney because, you know, with that defensive end room right now, at the moment that we are speaking, it consists of Trent Murphy, Mario Addison, Daryl Johnson, Jerry Hughes, and I believe Mike Love is still on the roster. So it's pretty much the same thing. You swap Jamario Addison for, for Shaq Lawson. And it's veteran heavy. And it's slightly, it's a slight upgrade. I, I, I believe Mario Addison is a slight upgrade over Shaq Lawson. And like you just said, it's veteran heavy. That being said, I would have been more comfortable having long-term commitment from Shaq Lawson, who is 26, signing virtually the same contract that we gave Mario Addison, if not a better deal. I, I would have been more comfortable signing Shaq Lawson. I'm not going to lie. That, that's really how I feel about it. Now, it's gotten to a point where I'm kind of giving Bean in this front office the benefit of the doubt. They don't give money yeah, out man. to players like that for no reason. And you paid market value for a player who had nine sacks last season. That's honest to God what happened. You, were, you weren't paying that much for a 32-year-old defensive end if he wasn't the least bit productive. And that is certainly what he has been the last couple of years. So he's a schematic fit. He's going to fit into this defense. I still believe it's a need, whether it's in the draft or free agency. We'll, we'll see whether they choose how they could even trade for a unique and Gakwe at this point, they could trade that second round pick or even next, who knows, who knows what's going to happen with this front office. But, you know, I kind of got off track here because it fit in because I, I had the message pop up literally as we were talking. So I figured I'd bring it up, but the second biggest news, or you could argue it's even bigger news when you talk about league wide. But it's huge news for the Bills. It's huge news. And, it, and for it to come back to back in a matter of 10 hours, it's, you know, it, it almost makes you feel like you're, you're just dreaming because Tom Brady informed the New England Patriots this morning that he is not returning to New England. He's, he'll be signing somewhere. He'll be playing football next year, but he's not playing football in New England. So the AFC East is virtually up for grabs, assumably. You, you could assume that. We, I mean, we'll see what New England does with their quarterback position, but Jeff. Brady's gone. Yeah, and this happening, you know, before I went to bed last night, the Bills signed a franchise receiver, and then as soon as I woke up this morning, or before I woke up this morning, Tom Brady, the player who has wreaked havoc on the team for my entire lifetime, (laughs) is no longer in the division. So it's like the tables are turning. Now, you know, we shouldn't have an overreaction and say the AFC East is definitely in the bag because there's a lot more to happen. The draft hasn't even happened yet, but still – Wow, it makes you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it makes you think, shit, it's, it's finally the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we've been saying since I've been saying since I was in high school, maybe even since I was in middle school, man, I can wait for the day that Tom Brady <laughs> is not on the Patriots anymore. And it's here now, you know, March 
17th, 2020 is the day that Tom Brady is finally not on the Patriots anymore. And while Happy the St. Patrick's a, Day, Boston. Yeah. While the world has a ton of other problems happening right now, that's one bright spot for Western New York, a place that doesn't get a lot of them. So, you know, I, I mean, I haven't really even thought of it, to be honest with you, but this is, oh my goodness, this is so relieving. All of the, free, not even Tom Brady leaving New England is a cherry on top. I think Mike Catalano of 13 Wham tweeted out, he's glad to see Tom Brady report that he's leaving in the city of Boston, having to celebrate St. Patrick's day inside because all the bars are closed. And that, I mean that, that I'll, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's satisfying, but with everything going on with, with the virus, with the coronavirus, with everything going on with all of the, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not what you want to see. It's just a bunch of, for lack of a better term, it's a bunch of bad shit. It's a bunch of bad shit, whether it's people being stupid, standing shoulder to shoulder at bars this past weekend. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, free agency, all of this news of things that we, you and I, Jeff and I both, all of the Bills fans are very passionate about. All of these moves, all of the things, the Bills getting digs, Brady saying he's leaving the Patriots. It's just relieving because it feels like we can put all of that on pause. We can put all of that worry on pause. There's something taking our attention away from the constant worry. I mean, I, I mean, people vary in their amount of worry that they have for themselves and their family members and whatnot. But I'm just saying it's nice for all of this to be going on, for all of us to just take our attention off of that. It is, and it all happened kind of quickly. You know, yesterday being the, the first day of free agency, I think maybe there would be a little bit of uh... – you know, down period. And that only lasted about 12 hours until things really got going. So, you know, there, there are people on Twitter saying, you know, ah, oh, you know, free agency is not important. There, there's, there's worse shit going on. And then, you know, they're throwing parties when uh, the bills get Stefan digs. And it's just, yeah, like, it, well, it'll be well, if, now the speculation starts of where Brady's going to go. I, I think it's going to be the chargers. I said, I said the Colts a couple months ago, but I, it appears to be the chargers. I think the chargers are going to land them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, honestly, I wish he would end up in the NFC. I, yeah. I, that, that's me being hopeful. But if he ends up in Tampa Bay, I'll be pretty happy. That's going to be a Super Bowl contender for sure. Um, I think I'm more worried about what New England does with the quarterback position because Cam Newton's announcing he wants to get traded. They're looking to trade him. Jameis Winston's available. Not that Jameis Winston's going to put the fear of d- death into my eyes if we have to go into Foxborough and play Jam- the Jameis Winston-led New England Patriots. You know, there's a var- there's varying amount of things that the Patriots can do with that position. Um, you can only uh, – um, they're, they're a solid franchise, and Bill Belichick's still there, so you can be assured that they're going to make a smart move. They're not going to rush this. They're not going to overpay some guy. They're not going to pay a guy something they weren't willing to pay Brady. I can tell you that much right now. <clears throat> so, I mean, we'll see. And the fact that Belichick's still there probably looms larger than if Brady was and Belichick wasn't. So, you know, obviously there's still still got a long way to go until the season. I mean, I hope we just hear some drama. I, I really hope we get to hear some drama of Tom said this, Bill said that. That that, that stuff always – it's always It's got to be what it is. It has I to mean, be. People have been saying that for a couple of years now that, mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't disagree and that Brady's on the way out. It finally happened. Yeah. I mean, I, it's bo- there, there's bound to be something. There's bound to be some sort of leak. There's bound to be some sort of this argument happen, that argument happen. You know, it, when, when Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft released their uh, statements and Kraft said if, 
if Brady wanted to be a Patriot, he wouldn't have done this. It, you know, it's just, it's like watching a breakup happen on social media. You know, I, I, I know it's happened with some people you and I mutually know of just watching them bicker and bitch on, on social media. And this is, you know, it's just, it's great because it's the Patriots. And it's I mean, people you don't like exactly. Exactly. It's people you don't like. It's people that have literally beat the ever loving shit out of the bills for the last 20 years. They beat them. What? Three times. Yeah. And, I mean, I, and, and, and what two of them were when it didn't matter the last week in Foxborough when, when the Patriots already clinched the number one seed. They beat them three or four times in the last 20 years. Like, mm-hmm. I believe me, I'm in, the, I'm in the competitive camp of, oh, I wanted to beat Brady while he was still there. Trust me. I, I wanted that satisfaction as much as anybody. I'm sure I talked about it on both pods prior to on our previews this past season. I'm sure I said that. But I'm not going to complain if the Patriots suck for the next 15 years and the Bills are solid. Yeah, and I can't believe we're having the conversation that the Bills – I mean, are the Bills going to go into the season being the favorites in the AFC East? I don't know. Oh, That's I don't think – I mean, it depends on what they do with the quarterback position. I mean, you always have to worry about the New York <laughs> – <laughs> I can't do it. I can't but, do it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. At this time last year, if you asked me about the Bills, I would say they're closer than the Sabres. I, weren't, I wouldn't say, oh, they're, you know, they're going to playoff contender. I'd say, and they're closer than the Sabres are. The Sabres are way behind. And now <laughs> the fact that we're having this conversation the year after is really remarkable. Well, I mean, the coronavirus really did everybody a favor to not have to watch the Sabres anymore. To be quite <laughs> That's honest. one way to put it. That's a really mean take that I hesitantly didn't put on Twitter. I was ready to put it on Twitter and say at least it's spared. I mean, it just it wasn't fit. And I might I might edit out of the podcast. No, I won't. I'm kidding. But um, these these are unedited. These are these are unedited. Unedited. We say what we want to say. I don't. I never edit the takes. I'll never edit takes. I mean, you you guys hear the the, the lag because he and I do it on on a on a stream. But I'll edit I'll edit that out sometimes. You never you never miss a take that we say. These are all unfiltered. I'll never I'll never bleep a swear word. I'll never cut out something he and I said that might have been stupid. You, Which is get literally seventy five percent of the things that I say. Nah, I think it, I think it's pretty even. <laughs> I think it's pretty even. I think I think we split it up fifty fifty, so it's just a complete hundred percent stupid pod that people shouldn't listen to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen to the podcast. It's it's fun. We put a lot of time into it. But the Bills signed another linebacker, and we talked about him briefly on the defensive free agent target pod, AJ Klein. And, you know, I, I'm okay with this move, signing him for a three-year, $18 million deal with $9.7 million guaranteed. With A.J. Klein, you're talking about a player that will fit into the scheme nicely. He can play any position on, uh, for the Bills that linebacker. And $6 million for your third linebacker I think is fair. I'm not surprised that the Bills didn't eclipse that number considering they were getting by with Lorenzo Alexander making 2.75 last year. So their third linebacker wasn't even making half of this money. But you, may, you paid market money for um, – AJ Klein, no doubt. And you, you, you paid a good price for him. I mean, you saw Jamie Collins go to the Lions for $10 million per season. I'm not shocked that Bean wasn't willing to give him that. Uh, you saw Kyle Van Noy go to the Dolphins for $10 million per, or maybe it was 12.75. Yeah, it was 12.75 per season. I'm not shocked he didn't give him that. Um, people need to realize while that position is important, it's not a necessity to the point where you're paying $10 million per season for your third linebacker that's only going to play a handful of snaps. Yep, and when you've already got your stars at that position, this is the type of player you sign. You already have Edmonds and Milano, your stars 
it, 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 your linebacking stars. You don't need to bring in a, a big guy. And that's my opinion on the defensive front too. Um, by signing Addison, you know, you already have your, your good players that you drafted. How about that? The bill's making good draft picks for consecutive years. Wow. And then, so you bring in some role players and, and that's, that's what you need. It's like the Yankees in the nineties. You, you get all your stars and then you just need a few role players like some Jimmy keys. So uh, maybe AJ Klein can be like a Jimmy key or a guy like that. I think AJ Klein, he'll pay dividends. I think, I think he's a solid role player. You know, he's going to, he's going to fill that need. And you know, here's the thing is the Bills linebacker room was bare bones before free agency I began. You're talking about a room that consisted of Lorenzo, or excuse me, not Lorenzo Alexander, um, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Terrell Dotson, and Corey Thompson. Corey Thompson, excuse me, I'm, I know there's one more. Oh, and Rashawn Joseph. You know, there's not much depth back there. And the signing of A.J. Klein gives a solid veteran that's familiar with the scheme. I thought the Bills were going to target him in 2017 when McDermott first came over. I wanted the Bills to target him, but he, like I mentioned on the defensive target pod, he went to New Orleans, and I understand that. But now, hey, a veteran's coming to Buffalo in the twilight. I wouldn't say he's in the twilight of his career, but he's on the back stretch of his career. And, you know, he fills a need. And another player that fills the need at the same exact position, uh, Tyler Matakevich. I think I said that right. I think that's how you say it. Um, with the loss, I wouldn't call it a loss, but the Bills are really getting their guy for – a special teams linebacker. And that's what, that's what Matakevich is. He's a special teams ace who has played for the Steelers his whole career. He signed a two-year, $9 million deal. And I think this more so than anything tells you that Julian Stanford's gone. Julian Stanford's an unrestricted free agent. The Bills had re-signed him a couple of years ago when Bean and McDermott first got here. But they let him go to free agency, and now they get Matakevich to uh, fill his shoes. Again, I mean, I'm going gonna, I, I, gonna to say the same thing that I just said role player, you know, and, and you like these kinds of moves and um, th- there's nothing that we can, th- there's nothing we, re- we can really say about it until we see how these guys fit into the defense. You know, the Bills defense last year really gelled well together. We've said that all along and it really looked like that all these guys were on the same page and they had the same goal in mind. So it's, it's really just about plugging these guys into that defense now and, you know, hoping that they can gel the, and have the same success that last year's team had, which I don't see any reason why they won't. Yeah. You know, they really rounded out that whole linebacker room, and I think that was, the, that was quietly the biggest need going into free agency after the Josh Norman signing. And now the biggest need is to fill that three-technique defensive tackle or fill that three-technique defensive tackle gap that Jordan Phillips left, as well as potentially a more potent pass rusher. But here's what I'll say as a whole about the players the Bills added to that defense that you, as you just touched on, gelled very well last season together. You added the two players that are going to see the most playing time amongst the three that they have added so far are AJ Klein and Mario Addison. They're two players that are familiar with the scheme, familiar with the coach, and have familiarity as a whole playing in the role that they're going to play. So you're talking about a defense that's looking to not have a drop-off. You're talking about a defense that was second in the league last season, and they're looking to be the first in the league this season. So we'll see what happens. I'm not expecting a steep drop-off with this Bills defense. And when you talk about a drop-off, you have to consider the players they lost. And as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, Jordan Phillips signed a three-year deal worth $30 million with the Arizona Cardinals. So, Jeff, how, how do you feel about Phillips signing with the Cardinals? Would you have been comfortable giving him that money? No, I wouldn't because I, I maintain the position that I think that last year was a fluke season for him. I don't think that he's going to go out there and be a bad player. You know, I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, but I don't think that 
that you're going to spend all that money on Jordan Phillips, who has had one good year in the league and a lot of other mediocre years in the league. Um, it's, it's just wasn't the right move. And I've said that all along and I'm, I'm fine with signing Addison instead of him. I know that they're not the same player, but if that's what it came down to, you're going to give one of those guys that money. I'm happy with the decision that the bills made. Yeah, I am too. I wasn't comfortable signing um, Jordan Phillips for $10 million per season. I feel like, for the role that that three technique defensive tackle is going to play the 30% of the snaps that Oliver isn't on the field. Like we talked about on the defensive target pod. I just don't, I don't see it being worth it. I don't see that being worth it. You know, good for good for Jordan Phillips. You know, you're talking about a player who was cut from Miami after being a second round pick after having speculation of being a first round pick. He spent a couple of years in Miami gets cut by Adam Gase, you know, and Adam Gase went on his mad uh, moving players, whatever the hell that was trying to move players and set examples and whatnot. And, you know, he comes to Buffalo. He doesn't play many snaps in 2018. And after Kyle Williams retires, he's given a one year prove it deal and he's given more snaps. He's given a more, uh, further opportunity, even after the addition of Ed Oliver. And you're talking about a player in which the general manager maximizes value and the, and the player took advantage of the situation. And now you're talking about a guy who increased his salary, but he more than doubled his salary. Per, per year, this, this free agency, and good for him. He got money, and same can be said about Shaq Lawson. I've been very hard on Shaq Lawson since the day he walked into Buffalo, but um, a handful of days ago, he put out a tweet saying he needed a highlight tape, so I've been I, – I've talked to him a lot the last handful of days that, you know, just discussing what he wanted and whatnot, and when he signed, you know, just a quick DM of congratulations because you're talking about a player that at one point ballooned up to 285 pounds after – you know, being drafted in the first round, that shoulder injury and being in the Rex Ryan scheme and always under scrutiny, always under all, all the uncertainty of him ever, if he was going to be a Buffalo or not, ever since the new regime came in the last three years have been trying for him. And, you know, he adapted, he changed who he was, he became a better and bigger person. And that really kind of dictated the, the, the trajectory of his career. And now he's making $10 million per season in Miami in his home state where he went, where he went to college and, you know, good for him. This is awesome for him. I'm glad for him. I'd rather not see him two times a year and we will see Jordan Phillips this year as well. So we'll see. But like I mentioned earlier, I would have rather gave Lawson the money than Addison, but that's neither here or there. We'll see about the Addison deal. And, you know, I I think the bills have had a solid day. We're not going to be recording a pod every single move they make. We are not going to sit here and hit record. I understand we're both, we, Jeff and I are both taking necessary precautions. We're both self-quarantining. We both have plenty of time on our hands. I can't go to the gym. I'm absolutely heartbroken. Dude, I, I'm pissed. I did a T25 workout in my townhouse yesterday. I'm pissed. I s- stood in front of the television and did those stupid jog-in-place squat thrust crap. Did I ever tell you about how th- – this is completely off topic, but – you know, in my college last year, when I would walk, I lived on the top floor. So I'd have to go up the tower, every single staircase. It was way too many stairs for my liking. I remember every day when I get home from class, you know, good for him. He's, he's getting in shape. But there's this guy in his common area with his laptop set up doing, doing the things you're, you're talking about, I think. And, you know, I mean, all the power to him. But it just, I mean, it just looks ridiculous. I really don't know if I can bring myself to do some shit like that. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I, had a, I had a long weekend that was not very nutritious as far as my diet. So I, I figured I got to get back into something, something you know, it, this week. It makes sense why they're closing gyms, but 
in order to maintain a fitness, you know, doesn't that help your immune system? Don't, true, don't, true. I mean, it also everybody... helps the sharing of germs, but yeah, exactly. That's, that that's the conflict. And it's a whole nother conversation, I guess. I mean, you'd rather have a weak immune system than spread your sweat, blood, and shit, right? True. Yeah, these people, uh, these people thought we were gonna they're gonna listen to anything right now without hearing about the coronavirus. They were wrong. Yeah. We made it about a half hour. <laughs> you, but... you can't you can't sit here and record a podcast and not talk about the coronavirus. You're talking about two two college students recording a podcast at eleven thirty on a Tuesday. This is not within my schedule on a regular day, a regular typical Tuesday at all. I know it's not within Jeff's. I don't. I mean, I'm assuming it's not within Jeff's. We no, can, it's we can, not. Right. So obviously, you know, you're going to get random podcasts. Everybody has plenty of time on their hands. And uh, with that, we'll be back right after this. And we are back. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Gary. Find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. And joining me as always, Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at Real J U V E I N O. Well, impromptu reintroduction. But with that, there's three more moves that we have to really talk about. The Bills getting into two along the defensive line that were kind of. Kind of different. You know, last year they signed two, deep, two uh, wide receivers in the span of, what, 15 minutes with John Brown and Cole Beasley. So they figured to do the same thing this year with defensive linemen, that being the moves of signing Vernon Butler to a two-year contract as well as signing Quentin Jefferson to a two-year contract. We'll talk about Butler first. Butler was a former first-round pick of Brandon Bean and the Carolina Panthers, and he had a breakout season of sorts last year with six sacks in Carolina last year. Jeff, what were the uh, first impressions of when Butler came to Buffalo? Well, you know, as fast as you and I can move with, you know, staying on top of the Bills beat, staying on top of getting pods out, and in as fast paced as the media world is, the sports world, and that the Buffalo Bills is even faster. And we recorded a pod on Monday. Bills make three more signings on Tuesday. And a big question that we had coming into this offseason was if the Bills don't, if the Bills decide not to re sign Shaq Lawson, and um, Jordan Phillips, then they're going to have to bring that talent in from somewhere else. You know, that's the Bills' decision. Did they did they like those two players they already had better than talent they can bring in? And they answered that question just about as damn fast as you can by bringing in these guys. You know, it, you bring in talent right away. They answer all of our questions. It didn't ta- it didn't take any time. And it's names that I like to see. It's names that I'm going to like to see on the back of a Buffalo Bills uniform, and I'm excited for. It. I mean, it's they really didn't leave us anything to to ponder about right you know you talk about butler who has similar size to that of phillips phillips was six six and 330 pounds i believe and then when you're talking about butler it's similar not the same six four three thirty he's a big guy you know you could say the same thing about jefferson but butler's got an attitude to him he's got an edge you know when we're talking about these deals he didn't get paid that much more or that much less than Jordan Phillips got paid in Arizona. Let's be honest. So I think this, along with the Mario Addison move, are really indicators of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean kind of more so bringing in their guys. They're not really paying a premium for either of those players. I don't think you could call what Mario Addison making is making a premium. He's not being paid a premium. He's being, being paid market value. And the same could be said of Vernon Butler. I'm not a huge fan of either contract, to be quite honest with you. But they're paying market value, and that's what you're going to do when you bring these guys in during free agency. And, you know, last year in the middle of the season, I believe it was around the Miami game, 
I was really starting to feel like that defense, like it was good. It's a good defense. But I felt like they lacked a little bit of that attitude. They lacked a little bit of that edge. And you need to have that little bit of attitude, that little bit of edge in order to be that upper echelon defense, the most feared defenses in the league. You know, I could say the same thing about their pass rush all day long, but the same can be said about players with attitude and edge to their game, players who, players who play just on a different level, who have a different mentality of when they approach their work. I mean, when you're talking about these two players, Jefferson and Butler, you have two goons. You have two guys that are going to come at you and punch you, quite literally punch you in the face as – Vernon Butler did to uh, Colts tight end Jack Doyle last season. I don't know if you saw that, Jeff, but no. he, 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 did, he did punch him right in the face. And if, do, do you remember when uh, a player for the Seahawks was climbing into the stands after he got ejected from a game? I do. And he climbed – yeah, he climbed – that was Jefferson. That, that was Quentin Jefferson. I shit you not. They signed these two guys to bring some of the most attitude that they have brought into this regime since they've been here. I mean – I'm not a huge fan of the numbers for Vernon Butler, but it's not a long-term commitment. So, I mean, it's, it's neither here or there. It's kind of interesting. So, I guess we'll see. And they're certainly not shying away from bringing in guys that, have, that they've been with before in Carolina. It seems like more than half of the players that the Bills bring in played for the Panthers when McDermott was there. And mm-hmm. I don't mind that because he, that he can pick and choose which players he wants in his defensive system and which players are going to best fit into what he's got going. And so far – there hasn't really been any speed bumps to that since, since this era started. And if that's going to continue, which we only can assume that it will, then it, it's almost like they've got the Midas touch and everything they do is Bills fans jump right on board. And until we're sitting here in the fall bitching about it, if something goes wrong, we have no reason really to complain. I mean, that's me being as blunt as I can about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the Jefferson move. I'm all on board for that. You have a lot more versatility with your defensive line. You're talking about a guy who can play virtually any position across the defensive line, whether it's one tech, three tech, five tech, anywhere. He can play virtually anywhere. It gives your defense some versatility. And here's the interesting thing is all of last season, the Bills only activated four defensive tackles for every game, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that, if I remember correctly, they were only activating four defensive tackles a game but yet they have financial and draft capital commitment into five on the roster now, that being Butler, Jefferson, Starla Tule, Harrison Phillips, and Ed Oliver. I mean, you can talk about Vincent Taylor, but I think after signing two more defensive tackles, that kind of pushes him out of that room, and we'll see what happens in the fall with him. But they have five defensive tackles on the roster. You, you could say that Quentin Jefferson is kind of that versatile defensive tackle slash edge player but he's let's call it what it is he's not an edge rusher he's not a guy who's going to be prominent in the pass rush who's who's going to push the pocket and be that dynamic pass rusher that's going to be in the face of a quarterback every single play no what these two moves indicate to me is that they're trying to sure up that defense they're trying to sure up that run defense more specifically because when you're talking about rundowns, I think those are the downs you're going to see Quentin Jefferson in there at five technique, possibly replacing one of the two ends. Because let's call it what it is. Trent Murphy's still on this roster. So Trent Murphy's run defense was absolutely horrid and pitiful and almost hard to watch at times last, last season. And I think he had a lot to do with why the Bills' run defense was subpar at times. But I think these two moves were really made to sure up that area of the defense. 
And I think the Bills have really given themselves a lot of options on the defensive line, you know, not only to account for injuries that could potentially happen because they almost always do, um, but just really bringing in a bunch of different types of talents and types of personalities that all gel together. And that room, I think, is your best method for success. I wish I had something bad to say. I feel like I haven't said anything bad since the season ended. Well, see, here's I the wish- thing. Here's the thing that goes with Brandon Bean and all these moves is – Really, when he makes some a move that's kind of you, you, you kind of questioned it for a second. He has earned the respect and the trust of fans and media alike to the point where you no longer say, "Oh, that's an awful move. That's that's a bad move. Why did he make that move?" It's a okay. I guess we'll wait and see. And we're not as skeptical. Yeah, exactly. Not as skeptical as past people and as past. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean we've seen some of these moves that some people didn't think would pan out or work kind of work in his favor. And he's gotten the bills to the point he's rebuilt. He ripped this team down. He rebuilt it to the point where they're now trying to contend for a Super Bowl in 2020, where they have made the playoffs in the two of the last three seasons. So I think he has done more than enough as a general manager to earn that kind of unspoken trust, that unspoken, I mean, the respect that you don't really give him that much skepticism when he makes a move that with other GMs in years past where it's like, all right, that's, I don't know about that. Yeah. And I think people that disagree with you aren't looking at the product on the field. Right. I think it's, it's as simple as that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people, it was with the Stefan Diggs trade. People were trying to question that. I mean, when you talk about, Oh, well, we gave up too much draft capital folks. You can't draft forever. You're not going to be drafting forever. This roster is almost almost to the point where in the year's future, we're going to be drafting for depth, not in the first round, obviously. There's well, no we can hope. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I hope so. Yeah, we hope so. If things pan out the way that the general manager and the front office are hoping they do, they're going to be drafting for depth and to fill holes. Well, I mean, not, not fill holes. I misspoke there. I'm sorry. But point being, he has – a good enough track record with some of the moves that he has made, whether it's something as minuscule as trading off players like Russ Bodine and Wyatt Teller that you were more than likely going to cut anyways for draft capital, or if it's something as significant as shipping out Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby and really just moving one of the a player that a GM of years past invested the most into than any other player that we have seen come into Buffalo in years. So he has made moves of significance. He has made moves that are minuscule that have panned out for him on both ends. And he went, and these contracts that he makes, it really kind of garners more so unspoken respect where, where, I mean, let's be, I'll, I'll be honest. If this were, I don't know. I don't know. Name a GM of years past bill. Uh, no, 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 no. Excuse me. If it were uh buddy Nick's, if Buddy Nix had signed Mario Addison to that contract, I'm probably being far more critical of it than I was with Brandon Bean. I understand I was criticizing a tad, mm-hmm. but I have a more, much more so, okay, I guess we'll wait and see kind of attitude. Whereas with Bunny Nix, I'm just like, well, what the hell are you doing? And the same can be said of the Vernon Butler contract, because right now you have $17 million of your cap allocated to two former first round picks of the Carolina Panthers that both play the same position. They were both, I mean, let's call it what it is, busts. They didn't go to any, they don't have any Pro Bowls. They don't have any All Pros. I mean, maybe the accolades don't, aren't really all, all they're what they're, they're, they're meant to be. But point being, they're first-round picks of a former regime that haven't panned out. And, I mean, that, I'm kind of sitting here with that same attitude I had with, with Mario Addison. I guess we'll see. 
That's <clears throat> that's an interesting point to put up, and it definitely that's a good devil's advocate. If you're if any listeners right now need to argue against the the bills, argue against support of Brandon Bean because whatever reason, that's the way to go about it, right there. You know, you bring it up. Carolina's not in a good spot right now. They're quarterback is about to be traded they have one of the most versatile players in the league in Christian McCaffrey and they're trending down however the bills are trending up and you know we, to start free agency we saw a really hot period from Buffalo so I wouldn't be surprised if now we see a little bit of uh, laying low for a while which that's how it is for a lot of teams you know everybody wants to be the first to get deals done and get your guys while they're still available so you know a little dry spell now isn't going to be the end of the world yeah, I mean, we had our <laughs> we had our fun of uh, three days of news while uh, self quarantining, but I guess now it's time to stick to the to the Netflix binging and uh, I mean, wh- however you choose to pass something, oh, something. P ninety X. I I I had a three day streak of P ninety X going to start the week, and the last two days have not panned out. So, <clears throat> Sean T, I apologize for that. Or not P90S, whatever the hell his thing is called. Dude, I forget. I remember those commercials. I remember yeah. those commercials so vividly. It would be right next to the Bryant and Stratton commercials. So, but I'll be, but I'll be home next week, so I can use my uh, limited weight equipment and my place at home, as opposed to uh, doing workout videos in my living room at college. So, <laughs> I mean, they did. They, the, the the Bills did make one more move, that being um adding on Taiwan Jones to uh, Taiwan Jones. One yeah, sim- similar to didn't he end the game for the Houston Texans during the playoffs? If I if I remember right, didn't he have the play where it's like, oh fuck, that's it? I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I swear to God, he, he had like a catch. That, he had a catch that took him down to the down to the five or something, something like that. He, he, something of that variety had happened where he, he caught – it was like the fourth quarter. I mean, we all assumed that it was Tywan over. Jones? Tywan Jones? Why was he, he dressed? Why was he dressed? Because he's a special teams ace. Oh, yeah. And he, they, I, don't know, I don't know why he got the, the snap over <laughs> whoever else was in front of him. I mean, they, I, let me think. They had Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. I mean, one of those two could have been hurt. I could be, I could be misremembering. But, yeah, they signed Tywan Jones to replace Sonoris Perry. I mean, I'm not really – a huge fan of using your one of your running back spots on a on a on a special teams ace, but I guess one way or another, however you want to bend it, there's people that are going to overanalyze it and say, "Well, you're going to use one less player here, so it makes sense to use it here for your special." Whatever, okay, screw it. It's going to make up for it one way or another, whether it's a, another tight end or another linebacker. But they have five defensive tackles, so maybe who knows? We'll see. Did did, did you have any anything to say about adding Taiwan Jones back to the roster? No, I mean, shoring up your special teams, I guess. Um, special teams was a bright spot of the Bills when they were bad. And, like, in 2010 or 2005 or whatever, they said the Bills have good special teams. But, it, no, but kidding aside, it's a part of the game <laughs> that you don't think about until it screws you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a part of the game you don't think about until it screws you. So it's just little things that you have to do. That yeah. and I'm glad that they're not overlooking the little things to to just worry about the big. So, I, I'm telling you what, this is it's it's going to be very interesting how the rest of this offseason works out, and it's really just kind of like a death march to the draft right now. You know, once the draft comes, we really are going to know which directions everyone is going to try to take their teams, um, and whether that draft happens digitally because of the coronavirus or whatever 
seven rounds worth of guys are still going to be on NFL teams. Um, and after we see who the Bills draft them, then we'll have a lot more material to work with and we can really get excited about, you know, the, the season coming up. Let, let, let me ask you this because you, you made me think of an interesting question. What direction do you feel like this team is headed in the draft? I'll touch on this after you, after you answer the question. Yeah. But what direct? I'm not talking about a position. I'm talking about overall. Like, what is the direction that this team is headed? Well, it's going to be interesting because the last few years it's been filling positional needs, like big positional needs. Obviously, first year quarterback, you draft a running back, um, you know, linebackers, corners, big positional needs. But now all those all those picks panned out, and so the Bills are kind of in a situation they haven't been in for a while where you don't have any gaping holes in your team. Your biggest one was ride receiver, and you just signed a top 10 receiver in the league, or you traded for one, excuse me. That was your biggest hole. You mm-hmm. just signed a bunch of defensive front free agents to fill up what we thought was the Bills' second biggest hole. So like I said at the beginning of the show, they haven't even given us anything to, to worry about, to wonder about. They, they've just gone out and taken care of business right away. But I think in the draft, it's going to be – players that we can develop and that can help the football team down the road. Because I mean, I think the bills are in a place right now is there are a few big names away from coming in and making it happen. And I think they brought those names in. I think the bills are super bowl contender yeah. based on, I mean, we'll have to see how the rest of the, the rest of the off season goes, but if the guys they have in place right now, you're, you're thinking that these players you have playing big roles are going to keep progressing. Josh Allen is going to keep progressing. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, they're good NFL players, but in order for you to be a Super Bowl caliber team, they need to get better. And I think that the Bills think that they're going to. Mm-hmm. So yep. it wouldn't surprise me if the Bills traded, traded down, traded some, traded, got more assets in the draft this year. You know, you don't need that big pick. I mean, obviously you can always use more players. Right. But but I don't have after sign after trading for digs and signing these defensive linemen. I don't have any, I don't really have, this is where it needs to be or bust for the draft. Do you? Right. No, no, I, I don't. And everything you said alluded to the point and the fact that I believe that this draft for the first time in this regime, since this regime has been on board, it's going to be best player available. It's truly going to be best player available yeah. because I mean, you could feel the roster that you have right now today. And I feel like this whole offseason, I said it when they signed Josh Norman on our, on our I, I think, what, what did I call it, an extended cut? I said it when they signed Josh Norman, that it makes me feel like they're going to be making these moves that points towards best player available in the draft so that they're not necessarily feel, filling a need. Because let's call it what it is. I mean, there's been rumors that was rumored by – it was sourced by Colfort Report Matt Perino, and Matt Perino that they were looking at Melvin Gordon. That was that was sourced. That was that that was an actual thing. So it's obvious that they're still in the running back market. So mm-hmm. t- I mean, take this for what you will. I, I believe that the second option that they're going to look to is going to be Carlos Hyde. But if they don't sign Carlos Hyde, you could feel that backfield tomorrow with with, with excuse me with uh, Delvin Singletary and Yelton. I think you could do that. You could absolutely feel that. You could feel the offensive line tomorrow. The the same exact offensive line you had last year. You can feel that wide receiver room. You can feel that defensive line. That roster is fieldable tomorrow. 
Absolutely. With the moves that they have made, they have filled the holes adequately enough to the point where it is a adequate roster that will compete and certainly compete in the division. Now, <clears throat> I said on one of the other pods that I felt like right tackle was going to be a position that they need to target. Now, when you look at the right tackle market this offseason, you are seeing average to below average players being paid like, like crazy, like crazy. You're, you're talking about – just take a look at the Jets' offensive line right now. They had no bodies. And the fact that they're paying guys like George Fant, who didn't even play tackle in Seattle last year, he played more tight end than anything. You're talking about George Fant playing off at left tackle and he's getting paid $10 million per season. They aren't looking to sign an offensive tackle. And that's clear to me now because players like George Fant, players like Brandon McGovern are being overpaid due to supply and demand. There is a high demand for offensive line in the NFL. And if you are an average offensive lineman, you are going to get paid a fair amount. And I don't feel like it's best given their cap situation. I'm not saying they have a cap situation, but they have approximately $22 million left in their salary cap. I mean, that's without the Taiwan Jones move equated in there. Mm-hmm. So, or, or D, D Marlowe re-signing. So it's approximately $22 million. So I don't feel like they're in a position to make a breaker bus move. I mean, it wouldn't even be a breaker bus move, but it'd be more of a band-aid move to sign a guy like Daryl Williams or a guy like Cameron Irving, giving the supply and demand market of the offensive line as a whole. So I think the positions you're going to see them target in the draft, they're not even going to be starters. If it, and if it were, be, it were to be a starter, it'd be the right tackle spot. And who knows who, how many tackles are going to fall to the second round. If they were to trade back or trade up, what have you, who knows if a tackle is going to fall that far. That, that's pure speculation on my end. And I agree with you about everything you just said. And as people are listening to this, we don't want you to take it as, oh, the Bills – can go to the Super Bowl on this day because they have all the best players. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying that there aren't any glaring holes in this roster, way more so than we're used to, to seeing it with a Buffalo football team. There, you can't look at this team and say, man, that guy shouldn't be starting. That guy shouldn't be an NFL starter. Because I think that the, the, the Bills have done a good job of, of addressing those needs as soon as they come up. Mm-hmm. So take it with a grain of salt when we say the Bills are Super Bowl contender on March 19th, 2020. But it, it's, we can be pretty optimistic right now, and I, think, I don't think that this draft is going to be nearly as important as other drafts, especially after trading that first rounder for Diggs. No, I, I think you're going to see – okay, there's, there's a couple positions. They're, they're quite literally these same exact positions that we said going into this offseason are going to be positions of need. I think you're going to see a depth wide receiver drafted at some point. You're going to see a change of pace running back drafted at some point. You're going to see a backup corner and a right tackle draft or a backup offensive lineman, not even just a right tackle, a backup offensive lineman drafted at some point this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. as the weeks carry on, we'll get into dissecting who, where, what, and why. But as an overall standpoint of where I think they're, what, what positions I feel like they're going to address, they're going to fill out their roster with the draft. That is the point of the rebuild that this team is at. They are filling out the roster with the draft rather than filling holes. And you're talking about a guy like Harrison Phillips being drafted in the third round. And you're walking in and off the, Oh no, 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 no. Excuse me. Let, let me, let me reference the, the, the Rex Ryan draft, the 2016 draft where you're drafting Adolphus Washington in the third round out of Ohio state. And you say all the, the first three round players that I believe it was what Lawson Ragland and, and Washington. He said, all three of them are off the bus starters. 
you're not in that situation anymore. And thank mm-hmm. goodness that you're not because you are no longer relying on your young players to be contributors to your football team, giving them a higher upside of developing properly and, I mean, panning out for you in the future. Because, yeah, think of the Bills, the big picks that the Bills have made over the last decade or decade plus, C.J. Spiller, Sammy Watkins, Stephon Gilmore, those guys were expected to be elite NFL players right away, and that wasn't the case. And that's not the case for most players coming out of college and you bring up a great point that these guys are going to have time to develop and, and learn alongside not only veterans in the room, but the guys that are still young and have been playing for two years, they're kicking ass. Right. Tremaine Edwins is 21 years old. I'm yep. 21 years old. He's play, he's, You're 21 and, now? I'm 21, yeah. I've been 21 since January. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit goes by fast, doesn't it? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got experience in the NFL. I don't. I got experience with other stuff, not not playing in the NFL. And so these guys come out of college and and you got your your cool young guys who are who are leading the way and your veterans and it's a perfect mix and it's a perfect it's a perfect place for your talent to grow. Right. I mean you take know? take I mean one player, I'll just use it as an example. I'm not going to say he's going to fall to the Bills. I'm not going to say they're going to trade up and get him. But say in the second round, one way or another, the Bills were able to acquire a wide receiver like Lavishka Chenault. Say they were able to require him. I mean, you're talking about a player who has a few questions surrounding him, and that's why he's going. He's potentially going to be available in the second round. You're talking about a player who has questionable route running skills, who has questions about his about his health, about his long term availability in the NFL. And you know, all rookie wide receivers take time to, I mean, acclimate to the NFL. All of them do. It doesn't matter how good. You were in college. It doesn't matter how elite you were in college. It is a learning curve to learn a new profession because you are acclimating to an entirely different game almost. Mm-hmm. So if the Bills were to acquire Shalavishka Chanel in the second round, and if they say they didn't have Stephon Diggs, so if the Bills had a first-round pick, they went elsewhere with the first-round pick, they had their second-round pick, they get Lavishka Chanel. Oh, damn, Lavishka Chanel's our answer opposite John Brown. That's a ton of time. That, that's 20 times more pressure than it is for LaVishka Chanel if he were drafted in the second round by the Bills right now with Stephon Diggs in front of him and mm-hmm. Cole Beasley and John Brown. So then he just comes to work, he learns, he runs his routes, and he develops into a receiver. You're talking about a completely different learning curve and a completely different trajectory and a completely different amount of pressure on a young rookie coming into the NFL at that point. And that's a completely different position to be in. So you don't know how that could change the trajectory of that person's career. So I think that's something that people must look out for when we start talking about draft season. You hit the nail on the head, and we've got about a month <clears throat> until the draft to prepare, and, and people are already wheeling out their uh, mock drafts. We've, I, we've seen some um, notable names on there going to Buffalo that we won't get into yet. We'll save that for our pre-draft show where we tell you everything. Drafts. I don't click on that shit. <laughs> We tell you everything you need to know. We're going to, without a mock draft, we're going to tell you everything you need to know about the Bills going into the draft without a mock. Oh, 110%. You know, I mean, as long as it's just like anything else in the offseason, folks, as long as the Bills are giving us things to talk about, we are going to talk about them. There will be plenty of analyzation that goes into the draft season for us. I cannot, I cannot tell you right now, I cannot – tell you exactly when how where or why we're going to record the next podcast 
as long as the Bills are giving us news, we're going to talk about it. We will give our draft takes. We will give our analyzation. We'll get, I'll, I'll try and get some guests on here to give you their opinions on the draft and who, where, what, and why they should target what. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, as I stated earlier, you guys need to stay safe. You know, this is, this yes, is crazy. Stay in your this house. Is, this is crazy. We're college students, so we're on the front lines of people going out and not social distancing, partying, going on spring break, blah, blah, blah. We know it. We're here. We're on the front lines. It's, it's time to give up. As sad as it is, it's, it's – <laughs> He it's says give up. <laughs> I'm, I haven't I'm just, left my I'm, house in a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad that I'm not a senior. I, I really feel for all the seniors, not only the athletes who have their last season taken away, but just, you know, all the, all the, the students who – you're missing out your last two months of college. I really feel for them. And I feel for everybody who is impacted by this. You know, there's countless amounts of people that are – that are really impacted by this because you can't plan for something like that to happen. And um, we're all just trying to take it a day at a time and, and hopefully find somewhat of a solution in the light of the end of the tunnel. So stay safe. Yeah, man. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you get the nail on the head with it. Stay safe. If you're not well, get well. If you are well, stay well. And stay hey, well. practice social distancing six feet. If someone coughs, you know what to do. You grab that bat and you take them right out. If they cough on you, Oh, that's a whole other story. I'm just kidding. We do not condone violence or any criminal acts at the Overtime Podcast. But right. with that, Jeff Avino, please tell the people where they can find you if they so choose to. You can find me on Twitter at Real J-U-V-E-I-N-O or on Instagram at my name, Jeff U-V-E-I-N-O. And don't forget to follow the Colfin Report on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. You know, we always have engaging posts. We're always trying to get the opinions of the fans because what's the point in doing this if we're not engaging with people? What's the point in doing this if I don't hear the opinions of thousands of people telling me I'm an idiot or the Bills are idiots or this move was stupid or they pay this guy too much or they should re-sign this guy? The whole point of the Cole Front Report, folks, is for you to follow, engage, and give us your opinion. So be sure to follow us. That's at Cole Front Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, at Cole Front Report on Twitter, and Cole Front Report Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at C-F-R-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. And if you'd like to find me on Twitter, or excuse me, if you'd like to find me on Instagram, it's the same exact handle, at C-F-R Clayton. And as always, thank you for listening. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by The Cold.